Amen. Right on. What would Jesus undo these last couple of weeks? We've been talking about this idea. Uh, what would Jesus undo if he came back? Uh, what are some things that you think he would quickly get to work on undoing the way that we're maybe doing things or believe things? And again, I've said it every week. It's easy for us to go, oh, man, he would go get them and he would go fix that. But I think it's better and probably more mature of us if we actually think about it like, you know what, I should take a look at my life. If Jesus showed up, what would he undo in my life? What are some things that I've probably got out of alignment on? And so we've been looking at a bunch of different topics, and I encourage you, like I said, you can grab some of those topics offline if you want to look at more of what we've talked about. But today, I can promise you this, uh, all of us deal with today's topic, and we deal with it on a weekly basis. And I would say most of us, probably I could even say all of us, actually fail this one uh, weekly. Uh, all of us are in the wrong when it comes to this topic. We, we all need to be undone in this idea, and, and I'll get to the point here in a minute. But I want to ask you this question. Do you ever get tired just thinking about all that you have to get done? I mean, when you sit down and you think to yourself, okay, this next week is coming or this next thing is happening, some of you are like, I'm getting tired just thinking about getting to the car and going home. Like just, <laughs> But do you really, when you think about what's ahead for you, do you just literally feel that energy leave you and that exhaustion set in? Uh, do you walk into work on Monday just as tired as you left on Friday? Is that something you face? Do you ever feel guilty or have anxiety not checking your work emails or work functions? Like if you've ever gone throughout the day and emails are piling up. Now, some of you, you're just sick people. Like your phone you look at it and it says there's like 3,000 emails in your inbox. Are you one of those people? You have like 37 apps you still have to update? You know, that's witchcraft. You need to fix that. You're supposed to check those things and clear those things out. If we're talking about anxiety, some of you hand me your phone and I see those things and I'm like, <gasps> you know, because some of you, you do okay with it. But, but some of us, you're in a place where if you're going throughout your day, and you're not considering your work or your job, it literally starts to weigh on you and stress you out and put pressure in your life. How many can ever relate to that? Society, the Society of Human Resource Study has done a study of Americans, and they have now found over 90% of Americans believe that it's appropriate to work seven days a week, to pay attention to your workload, to respond to emails, to live a lifestyle of working seven days a week. And they say, oh, it's totally fine. You can absolutely do that. And so what's happening is it's causing Americans, it's causing us to be restless. What I've begun to describe here, this idea of when you think of your workload, does it, does it cause you this? It's, I'm beginning to describe this restlessness that's happening, that's creeping in. Uh, I'm doing a little bit of a study on um, the epidemic that we see in suicide and then also in overdoses. So you see the opiate thing and the drug thing. Uh, we're getting to a point, especially in America, that suicide and overdose is now killing more people than every other death combined. Essentially, through overdose and suicide, which some would say is self-inflicted death, we are killing ourselves at a higher rate than normal fatality. Why is that? And so as I begin to study, like, what's happening? Well, I believe people need to know their purpose in order to want to live and, and be the way God called them to be. So in order to know your purpose, I would actually challenge you that you have to live at a pace 
that you rest and you're aware and you're observant of the purpose that's going on around you. So the problem with restlessness is you're so busy and you're so frantic and you're so at this heavy pace that you can't pay attention to what God's doing in around you. Amen? Restlessness is the fear of falling behind. We say, oh, I don't fear falling behind. I don't ever have this fear of falling behind. I bet you do. Do you ever have this thought when you're with your kids? Do you ever have this anxiety or this pressure or this thought of, are my kids learning fast enough? Am I teaching them enough? Are they where they should be? And then you get this pressure and this anxiety built up about where they are. What is that? It's that fear of maybe they're falling behind. What about even fixing up your house? You see other, you walk outside and somebody else is putting on a deck or somebody else is changing window. And then you let this anxiety and pressure build up. Like, are we doing enough to the house? Are we keeping it up? Are we, and you let this pressure come in. Why? Because the fear of what? Falling behind. What about family time? You go throughout your week and you plan your summer and then you realize, have I, have I spent enough time with this people? Is this family going to be mad if we don't do this? And you have this anxiety and this fear set in of, of what? This restlessness of, am I doing enough? Are you with me? Friends, oh, those friends, oh, we got to hang out with them. Oh, the, we, we, we should spend some more time. We better hang out with them. We don't want them to be upset with us. And we have all this pressure of who we should hang out with. Are you with me? And this restlessness sets in. We do the same thing in our marriage. Oh, am I doing enough? You go throughout your day. Oh, my gosh. Could he be cheating on me? Could she be cheating on me? Am I doing enough? Is there, am I, how many have ever had that? Am I, it's not like it used to be. Am I doing enough to keep him happy? And we have this restlessness settling in. Is it because of this pace? And this concern of, are we keeping up? Uh, so today I want to talk to you, what would Jesus undo? He would undo the restlessness of Americans. And more specifically, I want to talk to you about the way that we've neglected the Sabbath. The Ten Commandments of God. God made ten commandments. He didn't give you ten ideas. He made a list of all the things he wanted mankind to operate in. And in his top 10, he designed you to rest. Think about that. Think about that. Like your creator was like, hey, there's 10 things for you to live your best kind of life. And one of them that's really important is that you make sure you have a day that you're resting. Are you with me? I knew this sermon would go like this because we all deal with this. He's, are you kidding me? He's telling me that I need to, we're all looking for ways to spend time better. And da, da. But the truth is it robs us. I thought about this. We live in the richest society. You've never had more than you ever have now. Uh, no, no society has ever had what we have. So you've never had more than you ever have now. But we feel like we don't have enough. Isn't it interesting? Even the way that we market in culture, it's like, oh, if you don't have this, then you won't be happy. If you don't keep up with this, then you won't be happy. And they create this restlessness of not having enough. And so you need to do more, be more, find more. Are you with me? People are living longer than we ever have. So we have more than we've ever had, and you're living longer. Essentially, you have more time than you've ever had in America, but yet we still have this pressure of feeling like not having enough. You have more time-saving devices than you've ever had. Do you know that you can get an answer in seconds, and it used to take people weekends to do a study to find an answer, and now you can get it in seconds, yet we still have this pace and pressure of we can't keep up, we don't have enough. Amen. Uh, the tech that we have now just 20 years ago with science fiction. The ability to FaceTime and across the world and all of this kind of stuff, it was like jokes and movies, and now it's what we literally have. But yet we still have this pressure of somehow we don't have enough. And so we need to work and grind and hustle 
and it's not God's design. Amen. Here's what I believe about restlessness is we've accepted the elimination of the fourth commandment as Americans, which the fourth commandment is to keep the Sabbath, to have a holy day on the seventh day you rest. You work six days. We'll get into it here in a moment in a minute. You work six days. You have six days for work. And on a seventh day, you rest. Are you with me? And so I believe that we as Americans, especially the American church, we've accepted the elimination of the fourth commandment. There's 10 commandments, which is the way of living life, the life that God has for you. God has a plan. He has a design for you. And he said, look, if you live this way, this is the life that I've designed for you. And here's how you do it. You live in these 10 commandments. And so let me go through them in just a minute. The first one says this, that you should have no other gods, no other gods before him. We're good with that. You should have no other idols. We should not take the, take the Lord's name in vain. We're going to skip number four because that's what we're talking about. Number five, you should honor your father and mother. Number six says you shouldn't murder. Number seven says you should not commit adultery. Number eight, do not steal. Number nine, do not lie. Number 10, do not covet. We feel guilty when we do those, when we break those other things, but we don't feel guilty about the fourth one when we skip our days of rest. Isn't that messed up? Think about it like this. Many people go and see a counselor for help when they break some of these other things. They sit down and they say, I've really messed it up. I've committed adultery or I've done this and I've done this and we confess these things. But nobody has ever sat down on the counselor's couch and said, hey, I'm here because last week I didn't take my day off. Right? But it's just as serious to God as those other things. To have rest and to, and to, and to reconnect and rejuvenate and, and, and worship on that holy day. We, we just neglect it. We're totally comfortable accepting that. I thought about it. We actually celebrate breaking these commandments in America. If we were to sit at a check-in line or, or, or how you check out uh, at a grocery store, if you and maybe some of you are a clerk and people come up and, and as you greet people, the majority of what people say, hey, how's it going? You know, how, how, how's it doing? How's it? Oh my gosh, busy, busy, busy. Nonstop, grinding six weeks in a row, overtime, seven days a week, just getting after it, right? We say things like, oh, what a blur. Many of you would probably say this if I didn't preach this sermon today. Many of you would say this in a couple days. Oh my gosh, August, where did the summer go? What a blur, right? We would all say that. And we would all say, because we've, we've neglected the days, we haven't rested, it's all been a blur. And we say, well, I didn't even know. Many of us say, oh my gosh, I don't even know what I did last week. Because everything is such a blur and everything is such a pace. But I thought about it like this. God gifted us, the scripture says, every day. He's gifted you. He, the scripture says that he's given you. He's made. He's created this day and you're to be joyful in it. Literally, God is a God up in heaven who said, I've given you this day. And then we say things like, what a blur. I didn't pay attention. Like, oh, I just hustled through it. And we don't enjoy it. Are you with me? I thought about it like this. How hurtful would it be if you plan this incredible anniversary? So you, your wife, your spouse, whatever, you're getting away and you're like, hey, uh, I've gifted this time together. I've created this time that we're going to be together and <clears throat> we're going to make moments and it's going to be amazing and we're going to really just grow together and it's going to be this amazing thing. And then what if you got back and people were like, hey, how did that thing go? I don't remember. What a blur. It was so crazy. I don't remember what the, you'd be hurt, wouldn't you? But do you know we do that to God all the time? 
God's created every day for us, and he's created our days and numbered them, and he's given us our months, and he's given, and we do and say things like, I don't know, I don't remember, what a blur, I don't, amen. And again, I know this isn't the easiest one because we all balance our schedule and we all, but this matters to God. If we wanted to be more serious about it, what if we celebrated breaking the other commandments like we do breaking this one? Hey, what's up? You're at the checkout line. Hey, what's up? How's it going? Man, it's been crazy cheating on my wife six weeks in a row, just, you know, doing it. People will be like, oh my God. Oh my gosh. Hey, how's it going? Dude, man, eight weeks in a row, I've been stealing from work. I am just really getting after it. It's just doing good. People, you're, but we do it with our schedule. It's kind of been funny this week. Most people have passed the test. But this week, as I had this sermon on my mind, as I greet people, hey, what's up? How you doing? Most people have actually done pretty good. But a few people have, oh, they're just getting after it. Oh, no rest for the wicked, right? And I'm like, uh-oh, gotcha. <laughs> but we do. This culture has accepted. We actually put on a pedestal those that grind and hustle and get after it. And God is in heaven saying, no, that is not how I made you. Are you with me? Amen. Here's what I believe. We are restless because we are, knowing, or we are ignoring God's plan for rest. We as Americans are restless. And I think you turn to an addiction, you turn to this coping mechanism, you turn some people even to suicide because the pace is not maintainable and it's just easier to get out. Are you with me? Because we've ignored God's plan for rest. Uh, it's something that is accepted all throughout uh, culture. Uh, Olympians or people who train for things, anybody who wants to see growth in their life, they have a rigorous schedule and then they have a very detailed rest schedule. Why? Because they know when they put that rest in there, their body will recover and it will come back stronger. I wonder if that's God's design for how we're supposed to live our lives. You go after it and then you rest and you come back with growth. Amen. And so I thought about this. Many people say, oh, I'm so busy. And I, and I actually want to throw this in here. Uh, a lot of people actually, they aren't restless and they aren't overwhelmed and they aren't too busy. They actually are just dealing with this thing that's called procrastination anxiety. And uh, many people are like, oh, I'm so busy. I don't have any time. And it's really because they've scheduled their life so poorly that everything happens at the end. And then they're in crisis mode because they don't have enough time to accomplish. Do you understand what I'm saying? So I'm not talking to the person who's just a procrastinator and they're under pressure and in crisis mode just because they're poor planners. That doesn't mean you're doing too much. Oh, I'm doing too much. No, just what you're doing, you're not doing it properly. Are you with me? Uh, but I'm talking about you've created a lifestyle pattern of barely being able to keep up. It's not God's design. So God gives us his top 10. Exodus chapter 20, we'll pick up in verse 8. And I'll just go through a few things line upon line that are going to help us practically look at why this is so important. So verse 8, it says this. It says, remember the Sabbath by keeping it holy. Uh, here's what I love about this word holy in this place here. It means this. Holy means to be set apart or uncommon. And so what it's saying here is your seventh day should be uncommon or meaning not like the rest. So if it's holy, if it's set apart, meaning you should have a day of your week that is not like the rest of them. Sabbath means this in the scripture. It means to cease, to stop, or to rest. Do you have a day of your week where you're ceasing, you're stopping, and you're resting? Is it something that you're building into your life that that's priority? Because that's God's command to you. It's not his idea for you. It's a command to you. So I could actually say it like this. If you don't have a day that does that, you're walking in disobedience to God. <laughs> Amen. I wish I could preach for you today, but I'm just trying to tell you the truth. And this is a work he's doing to me too. Uh, verse number nine. 
It says six days shall be for labor and you do all your work. Six days you shall labor and do how much work? All your work. In six days, you have six days to do all your work. And on your seventh day, you don't get to do any work. You guys think I'm ridiculous, but it's the Bible. (laughs) Here's how much God knows that we would argue this and have a challenge with this. In verse 10, he says this, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord, your God, and on it, you shall not do any work. And so all of us would be like, okay, I can't work, but here's what I can do to keep this thing going. I'm going to hire somebody. And then I'm going to, and you start thinking about all the other ways you can still keep this work grind going. And so God's like, so listen, you can't do work and neither you or your son or your daughter, because some of you would be like this. I can't check my email today. Kids, come read my email to me. (laughs) Check that for me a minute. So said, neither your kids, no son or daughter, nor male or female, nor animals or any foreigner residing in your towns. What is it saying? It's saying this world was built to have a day to shut down. Literally, he's covered the whole entire base where you have to have this time of Sabbath and reflection and holiness with God where we rest. Uh, And so so he takes out all of the excuses. Everything is designed to rest. They did a study of the gold rush. You guys remember the gold rush where everyone was in a hurry to get to California. So they loaded up the chariots and the horse and all the animals, and they were trying to get over there to the gold rush. And they did a study, and the people that continued seven days, they, they just continued without resting. Do you know that the, the people who went with days of rest got there sooner than the groups that didn't stop for rest? Because why? Because we were designed to rest. You were designed to recover. Uh, Do you know that in scripture, the thing that religious leaders, the Pharisees argued about the most was the Sabbath. The things that they bickered the most about with Jesus and questioned and dealt with was uh, was the Sabbath. Is what to do with the Sabbath, what you can do, what you can't do, what you should do, what you shouldn't do. Especially here in Zealand, we've all been in the debate about what should happen on Sunday. Are you with me? I uh, had a sprinkling company uh, here in town. Uh, They sprinkled the shoreline and... uh, I don't like that company anymore. And, uh, and I've switched to Brookview uh, Lawn Care, uh, which is actually a family uh, in this church. It's an amazing company. All of you should quit who's ever doing your landscaping now and switch to Brookview. And, and just for real, they're doing incredible things. Uh, and so they came out this week and did some work on my house. And, uh, and then you would not believe it. This morning, on Sunday morning, as I'm getting ready to come minister the word of the Lord, that man programmed my underground sprinkling to water the grass on Sunday morning. Can you believe that? Can you believe that witchcraft? Sprinkling the yard on a Sunday in Zealand. And the reason that's an issue is because I mow my lawn on Sunday. I don't like it that wet. And so I was kind of annoyed. But in Zealand... And especially a religious area that you've grown up in. You remember like you'd go to the grocery store, they'd hang the black cloth over the alcohol. I didn't know about it. I don't go down the alcohol aisle, but some people have told me. (laughs) But do you remember how weird we got about the Sabbath and what we do and what we can't do and all this stuff? That's what the religious Pharisees were doing. They were making into this big, and so I'm here to tell you, listen, as much as I'm going after this idea of rest and Sabbath and having, I'm saying don't get legalistic about it either. I don't want you to all of a sudden make it this whole new workload to try to keep your Sabbath this big rule book. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? And so we need to be careful. 
So verse 11, it says this. It says, for in six days, the Lord made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that is in it. And then he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. He created everything and he still took a day and made it known to us that on that day, he rested. Why? Because it's the design. We're imitators of God. It's the design of how God set everything in motion. You work and you rest. Are you with me? Did God need to rest? Was God, was God tired? Do we think God was tired? No, because Isaiah 40, 28 says, Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator, the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. So why did he rest? Because he was a role model to us of what we need to do. Literally put that in place and in scripture because that's how much he believes in us keeping the proper pace. Mark chapter 2, verse 27, when Jesus shows up, he reiterates why the Sabbath exists. He says this in verse 27, and then he said to them, the Sabbath was, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Who is the benefit of Sabbath for? Not so that we can do this religious routine of keeping us up. No, the Sabbath is a blessing to us. Are you with me? It's not this thing that we got to try to keep up with. No, this is a blessing. That's why it said here that the Sabbath day was made. God blessed the Sabbath day and it was made holy. Amen. Amen. This, you've heard us say it before that God made you a human being, not a human doing. And the engine that culture tries to create is that we do, we do, we do, we hustle, you go for more, you go for more. But God's saying, I want you to be being present. And I think that's how we receive from him more is when we're, we're being, not doing. Amen. A couple practical things you could pick up. There's a book we've done as a church called Addicted to Busy. It's by Pastor Brady Boyd. Really talks about this at depth. If you've never bought it, you should look that up, Addicted to Busy. Another one is called Simplify. Just really talks about the proper pace. Uh, so Simplify is one there. But here's another idea to think about. I believe this, that ignoring rest is a sign of immaturity. Or you could even say an insecurity. Ignoring rest is a sign of an immaturity and a sign of insecurity. A lot of people think, I can't take my break. I can't take my pace because somebody else is going to take my place. Something else is going to happen without me. And the reason I know that's a sign of immaturity, because if you've ever had kids, what's the worst job in the world? Trying to put them to bed, right? Why? Because a kid thinks what? If I go to bed, if I rest, I'm going to miss something. I'm not going to be able to. And we do the same thing in our lives, just on the adult version. We say, hey, if I rest, if I take time to worship God and have a holy day, I'm going to miss something, right? It's a sign of immaturity and insecurity that we don't trust God. Are you with me? Yeah. Uh, kids go to bed. The reason we put the kids to bed is because if they don't go to bed, if they don't get their rest, they're what? Worthless the next day. They're terrible to be around the next day. If you don't get your rest, if you don't get your Sabbath, can I be gentle to you when I tell you you're kind of worthless? You're kind of crabby to be around. I'll, okay, I'll be careful. Let me say it nicer to you. Without rest, your experience will be poorer and the quality of your tomorrow will be less. Amen? Without rest in your life, your experience and your quality of your purpose, your design, your destiny will be less because you're not rested. You're not taking your Sabbath. The engineer on your car knows this. He built your engine and he said, depending on what kind of oil you use, but let's just say regular, every 3,000 miles, you should change your oil. 
because that's what's good. The creator, the designer, the one who knows its purpose says, hey, every 3,000 miles you need to change the oil or there's going to be a breakdown that starts to happen on the inside. But do you know that I've actually driven my car past 3,000 miles, even beyond probably even 4,000 miles at a time? And I'm driving and you think to yourself, I'm good. This is fine. There's no issues. Everything's great. But on the inside, that engine is breaking down. And we do the same thing to our, our creator says, hey, every seventh day, you need to make a change or you're going to break down. And we all go, no, I'm fine. I can keep this pace. I'm good. I'm going to make it. But you're breaking down on the inside. Are you with me? God knows the things because he created you. The scripture says, therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath and made it holy. The word blessing here is this. He evoked favor, divine favor, and filled it with strength. Therefore, the Lord filled the Sabbath with strength and made it holy. I believe when you take your Sabbath, and we, we, I'm telling you, we all mess it up. I'm the same way. My, my, my wife, I like to flip dirt bikes and golf carts. And a couple of weeks ago, uh, literally, I was out in the middle of the night. She's like, my pregnant wife. I was like, hey, this amazing deal came on. I got to go there and pick this up. And it's like midnight. I was like, it's right in Borkilo. I'm going to just go there and come back. And then my buddy who I flip stuff with, he's in Grand Haven. So he's like, I'm still up. Why don't you bring the car to me? And so my pregnant wife with our one-week-old baby, uh, I didn't think any of this because I'm a dude. And uh, I'm in the middle of the night getting this cart, and uh, I decide, yeah, I'll get the cart, and I'll go over to Grand Haven, and then, of course, dudes, when they got something to look at, you know, I could drop this cart off, and we're walking around it for hours, like, look at that, we should change that, and, you know. All of a sudden, my wife is texting me, hey, uh, where are you? You did a Craigslist deal in the middle of the night, and you're supposed to be in Borculo, and you're like, and I was like, I'm not dead, but I will be when I get home, <laughs> like, but that pressure, the pressure of going and pace, and like, it tempts all of us. Are you with me? And, and so for us, he's saying, look, if you take that day of holiness, of Sabbath, he promises that blessing that he put on it is a day to fill you with strength. Fill you with strength. Uh, here's the thing that I believe us as Americans and us as people, the two biggest areas that we struggle trusting God are the two areas that things are most scarce in our life. So when we say this, I never have enough, if I were to poll you, you never have enough what of two things, time and money. The two things that are the hardest for us to trust God with is our time and our money because we never feel like we have enough. Isn't it interesting that God gave us a, a almost similar, it is similar, principle in power. We believe this of the tithe. If you give God 10% of your money, that he blesses and can do more with the 90% than what you can do with the 100% on your own. We say it like this, 90% with God goes further than 100% on your own. The same principle applies to our schedule in our life. Six days with God goes further than seven days on your own. We say, oh, I don't know. I got to do all these days. I got to grind. I got to stay ahead. I just got to get up. And we, we make a reason. Oh, it's just this season. It's the busy season of work. It's the busy. And we keep saying, no, if you trust God, that was six days of your life can go further with him than seven in your own hands. Amen. Stanford did a production study and they found this. People who only work six days a week do more than people who are engaged seven days a week in their work. Remember I said at the beginning, people are always checking emails, always responding, always doing stuff. The people that keep a six-day pattern of availability, they get more done than the people who are constantly available at the seven-day mark. Productivity drops so much on average after 55 hours 
that if someone works more than 55 hours, productivity drops so much on average over all of those hours that it was less productivity than if they worked under 55 hours. So all these people out there grinding and trying to get after it and spend all this, you actually deplete all the hours that you're doing. You're getting less done in all of them than if you just set the Sabbath, set your, re- do you understand what I'm trying to say? This is scientific study. The French Revolution, during the French Revolution, when they decided to change everything, they were re-wiping the government, they were doing everything else, they decided that they were going to make people work seven days a week, and they immediately saw the poor health results in decline, and they went and switched back. You can look it up. They went and switched back. Why? Because you weren't made to grind and get after it seven days a week. Amen. I'll close with this. We have an amazing example of what God can do with six days versus what we can do with seven days. Right in our face, right completely in front of us, we have the most incredible example, the most holy, God-inspired, incredible picture in our current day of what God can do. And it comes in the term of the glory called Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-A, those crazy Christians close that place on a Sunday. If you've ever gone over there on a Sunday and tried to get a chicken sandwich or waffle fries, you pull in that place and it's supposed to be holy and you almost lose your salvation because they close that place. But here's what's unbelievable. The highest grossing sales day for a fast food restaurant is a Sunday. Highest grossing. So it's ridiculous that they close on their top day. It's even more ridiculous that they can actually even make any profit, let alone stay open with their top day out. If you go on their website right now, the reason they say that they're closed on Sunday is to give their employees rest and to worship, a day for them to worship. Essentially, it's a business who's keeping the Sabbath. Now, here's what's amazing. They've taken out their most profitable day And guess where, per store, Chick-fil-A ranks among all the other stores? Number one. What God can do in six days versus what we can think we can do in seven, here's what's amazing about their profitability. Not only are they number one in profitability per store among all fast foods without Sunday, they're number one by far. They rank per store at about a $4 million profit. Number two only comes in at $2.6 million. So they have a huge lead without their most profitable day. Why? Because God's hand of blessing is on it. And here's the other thing amazing about it is there's no other fast food chain that opens with picketing and debating and interest groups. They're lobbying against it as Chick-fil-A has. So they have that and they're taking out their highest profit and God's hand is still on it. Why? Because they're living in the commands that God said. Are you with me? So 2.6 is in second place. And then you have, uh, which just so you know, because I would be interested if I heard a stat like this. Number one is Chick-fil-A. Number two is Jason's Deli. Number three is Whataburger, which maybe we need to start praying that in here if it's that good. (laughs) Panera Bread and McDonald's. If McDonald's is making the top five, they could give us a little bit more sauce packets, though, I think. This is getting ridiculous. But what God can do in six days, even with great sacrifice of giving up your most profitable day to keep him first, what God can do there, he still honors this. This is an Old Testament. This is now for your life today. Amen? So what do you do on your Sabbath would be my question if I'm sitting here. What am I supposed to do? And I think the question is more, what do you don't do? Or what do you not do? It's not, oh, what am I supposed to do on the Sabbath? It's more like, what are the things? 
And the, the easy answer is this. You don't do what is the thing that causes you to earn your income. So you don't work your job. You put that aside and, and, and you say, okay, God, that, now someone say, oh my gosh, as a pastor, if someone was in the hospital, would you not go? Of course I would go because I'm a neighbor. I'm a brother first. You understand? And so there's things and balances. There's other people in our life that, you know, and here's the other thing I want to tell you too. You take a look at your schedule. That's why the scripture said you number your days and you spend them accordingly. Your Sabbath doesn't have to be the same day. If you are intentional with your schedule, you sit down with your family and say, hey, this week it's going to be Friday. Next week, because of the schedule, it's going to be Tuesday. You need to set that so God can honor it. Do you understand? And so you just, you just don't. You don't check emails. You don't do your work. Here's how uh, one pastor told it to me. The Sabbath day should be a day that you have no deadlines. It's a day that in your day, there isn't something saying you have to have this produced by this time. Now it's good even, you know, so oh my Sabbath day, can I do yard work? Can I, yeah, you can make goals to be busy and get things done, absolutely. But if you're holding yourself to the grind of an accomplishment, then you might be in a little bit of trouble. You can be busy and you can have fun and you can do things and all that kind of stuff. But it's saying, God, this is the day that I find rest. Does that make sense? So for you, uh, maybe you're a salesperson. You just don't do sales that day. Maybe for you, you're a mom and you take care of kids all day. You get to not take care of your kids for a day. <clears throat> you just get to skip that. So we'll see how that goes. God will honor it. He can do more with six days. Leave them for themselves. But be practical. Honestly, you can schedule a Sabbath day where it's no laundry. You don't clean out the sink. You don't empty the dishwasher. Some of you are like, this is my favorite pastor ever. He is. But for real, you need to look at your week. That's why the scripture says you take your days, you number them, you spend them accordingly. Because Sabbath needs to be included, rest needs to be included, pace needs to be included so that we don't live restless. He would undo this way that we're chasing after things that we might not ever catch.